This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday's Sports on the Sports History Network. Today, we're doing part two of the all-time best defensive players in NFL history. Joining me are my friends Arnie Chapman and Dave DePaulo. I wanted to get back to uh, Paul Zimmerman's list. Uh, defensive tackle. He's got Lily number one. Said he, uh, you got it. Yeah, and he makes you know a little comment. He said he had nearly, he was nearly perfect technically, and proficient. It's like, true. Yep, like Marchetti, he was very proficient at grabbing and throwing blockers out of the way. He's got Olsen number two. Said Olsen was the best uh, bull bull pass rusher uh, out of the defensive tackles, and he could uh, break down the offense, break down the inside of the offensive line. Number three, he's got Joe Green. Said Green was the quickest out of the out of the three of them. He was the quickest, and he, he you know he said all you know you could pretty much flip a coin with those guys because. All three, he said, were skilled in every phase of the game. They didn't have, they didn't have any weaknesses. And like today, they didn't, they didn't take breathers. You know, they stayed in the game. There was no coming out to take no. a breather. Those guys That's stayed a big in the game. Thing. That's right. And number four, he's got Alan Page, and pretty much, you know, he said the same thing that I just said. Best pass rushing defensive tackle, he said, he ever saw. Was Alan Page best pass rushing defensive tackle, but he was a little uh, questionable at stopping the run. And then he's got uh, you know, yep. Go ahead. I, I I can make a case for Randy White giving Page a run for his money. I think he had a hundred and one sacks from the defensive tackle position, and you That's can right. I, you can guarantee you this. They talk about what's his name today. This guy on uh uh. This uh, guy on the Rams, what's his name? Uh, Aaron Donald. Tau Demotis guy's one of. The, yes, I watched it the other day. I watched the Rams in the Forty Nine er game. Let me tell you something. Eighty percent of the plays he was getting single teamed. Aaron Donald, he wasn't getting double teamed. Randy White was getting double teamed on almost every single play, and he had hundred and one sacks from the defensive tackle. He was phenomenal. He was relentless. Relentless. Yeah. And Aaron Donald's he's a defensive end. He could easily bring a guy out there and chip him. Okay. Right. Some and White was and, and Lily was getting double teamed, sometimes triple teamed. Don uh uh Dan Reeves talked about it. He said you didn't see too many guys getting triple teamed. He goes, but Lily and he said, and, and if you saw Lily, he didn't have an ounce, he didn't look like a football player. He had no muscle deposition at all. He talks about, he describes Lily, but he had sweatpants. And if you saw him, you would never think. Right. He said, but he was just a, a, he was the strongest guy in the team. He was just a naturally strong guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've told you this over the years. I, I, I said, I, you know, he wrote that book, Lily, and he talked about his father pulling an engine out of a, out of a truck. Okay. With no hoist. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, but I'm just saying. All these guys, they talk about Donald. He's trip. He's not. Go watch the game. Watch any game of the. Just turn it on this week. Watch the Rams. He's not double teamed seventy percent of the time. Not even. Nope. They overblow. I'm telling you, 
some of these guys overblow some of these guys today. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it. You know what I mean? And they take plays off. Let me just get to this list from 2019 for a second, Mark. Don't forget we talked about this. They had to add six special team players. Yeah, that's too So messy. because they added six special team players, Arnie, they kicked six guys off the team. Yeah, that's they too- had to add 2019, they added a kicker, a punter, a, a kick returner, a punt returner, and two actually, two punt returners, two kick returns for a total of six. Yeah, so you too had much. guys getting booted off the team for, you know, special teams guys, which I guess if they got to make it fair, I guess they got to make it fair. I don't know. So, but, um, you know, who else does Zimmerman have on there? Uh, outside linebacker, he's got uh, Taylor. He's at, at the weak side. He's got uh, Ted Hendricks at, at number two. He thought very highly of Ted Hendricks. Said he was extremely, he was a Rhodes Scholar. And he was, said he was extremely intelligent and like Lily, had uh, tech, technically, very technically sound. So he's got Taylor at the weak side, Hendricks at the strong side. Uh, he was uh, said Jack Ham was the best uh, at pass pass coverage, best linebacker ever at pass coverage. Dave Wilcox, he said, uh, was the best at dealing with tight ends. He never never got uh, uh, like hooked. You know, the tight end would try to hook the uh, the linebacker. So he, they were never able to to hook. Dave Wilcox. They were never able to, to block him. And then he's got uh, Bobby Bell. He's got ranked up there. Honorable mention, Dave. Chuck Howley. Look, uh, Chuck Howley was better. Chuck Howley was better than Dave Wilcox. Hands down. He just well, was. Will, look, look. I will say this about Paul Zimmerman. He is, I, I notice he is a little partial. To the 49ers because he lived, he lived in San Francisco for, for a while and he went to all the games at Kizar Stadium. So he saw these guys, you know, all the time live. He, he went to all the games. So he is a little bit partial on his list. It seems like to, to 49ers, but he does have yeah. Howley, Howley as an honorable mention. <clears throat> yeah. And, yeah, um, it's a good, it's a, it's a great list. Yeah, middle linebacker. He's got Buckus. Uh, he's uh, said between Lanier and Nitschke, just like we were saying. He said he said he would give a slight edge to Lanier over Nitschke. And then he's got uh, he's got Ray Lewis. Now this list is from two thousand and seven. The following year he had. A series of strokes. So this was his final all-time list. Got Ray Lewis. He said Ray Lewis was the best at closing, closing on a, on a receiver. Extremely fast at closing on a receiver. And let's see. And it looks like it for middle linebacker. Then at safety, he's got Ken Houston. And he made a point, he made a point with uh, safety that you have to uh, you have to take into account the he said there's a big difference between strong side safety and weak side safety. So he's got Ken Houston as his strong side safety. 
And he's got uh, Willie Wood, which probably is not on any of the list, right? I don't think Willie Wood is on any of the list. He's got we him. We didn't talk about him, no. No, he's got him as his free safety. And then he's got uh, Larry Wilson. He said Larry Wilson is a close, very close behind uh, Willie Wood. And he actually, uh, he actually thought that Ronnie Lott was a little bit overrated. He said Ronnie Lott was better at cornerback than he was at safety. That's that surprised really? me a little. Yeah, that surprised me. He said he was he felt he was a little bit overrated, and that his best years were when he played cornerback. Then he's got uh, he picked a lot of safeties. He's got Brian Dawkins. That's more from uh, Arnie's era. Right, Brian yep. Dawkins. He's got him ranked high, and he's got a honorable mention. He's got Cliff Harris. Great. Yep. And he was great, Cliff Harris. Oh yeah. Captain Crash. A, the, Captain Crash. There's an article it. here. There's a little list here, Mark, of uh, poor Walt, poor. Paul Warfield right. and the greatest corner he's he's ever faced. So yeah. this is just from the years that he played. Right. He's not making an overall list, but at the number one position, he's got Mel Blunt. Uh-huh. And number two, Willie Brown. Right. And number three, Arnie, he's got Lem Barney. And that's interesting because, don't forget, Paul Warfield played in the AFC, right, mostly, Mark? Uh yeah, well he played. He was with the before the merger. The Browns, before the merger, he was with the Browns, so he played. Yeah, that's Ronnie. why he's got. That's right. Yeah. I think he only. That's played, why he's got Lombardi in there. Uh huh. I think Warfield only played about four years for the Dolphins. Then he went to the WFL until that folded, and then he went back to the Browns at the end of his career. Yeah, poor Warfield was. Yeah, you have to respect his opinion because he was one of the best receivers. He's got Herb Adderley at four. Uh-huh. And then he's got a few guys, Mark, that were not on any of these lists because uh, these were just guys that he played against. But he had Emmett Thomas, Eric Barnes, right. Irv Cross, the announcer. Wow. The guy that used to work for CBS, yep. Irv Cross. Yep. He's got him at number seven. Wow. Bob Jeter. And then he's got Pat Fisher at number 10. Wow. That's surprising. From the Redskins. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's surprising. Corner, uh, so, Zimmerman only only actually picked two cornerbacks. He only picked two. Really? Didn't mention any other. He mentioned uh, Sanders. He said Sanders, you know, uh, they, they did, didn't want to throw the ball in his area. And uh, he can't take that away from. But he said he would get bored. He said the problem with Sanders is he would get bored with the short slot, like the short passes. He would get bored with that. And uh, his number one, again, like I said, he's a little partial to the 49ers. Number one quarterback, he said, was Jimmy Johnson for the 49ers. I, I saw him. Wow. I saw him get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was there. I think he got inducted the same year. Uh, either I think the same year Randy White got in. I, I think sounds, it was ninety four. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yep. Um, there was a 
there was a toughness list here by Jim Parker, the great offensive lineman for the Colts. Uh-huh. And he, he had the toughest defensive players that he's ever saw. Jim Parker, and you said? The top, Who's this? Yes, Jim, at the Jim top. Parker. Jim Parker. Yeah. I, I and at the him. top of the list, you'll never guess. that Who's the number one, you think? You'll never get it. Number one toughest? Yep. I don't know. Who is it? Andy Robostelli. That's a guy. He's on my list. <laughs> That's a guy that doesn't get my, talked about enough. I my father used yeah. to talk about him. My yeah. father was a Giants fan. Yep, my and father too. It's just too. like today. You're, <laughs> yeah, he talked about Robostelli. He would constantly bring him up. Yep. Uh, he's got Doug Atkins in there. He's on the he's on the early list. Yeah. He's as a defensive lineman. Doug Atkins. He was a monster. Uh, <laughs> how big was Doug Atkins? You remember, Mark? Oh, he was, I think he was. He was one tough. of these guys. Six seven at least. He had to be at least six, maybe six eight. He probably weighed about two ninety. Yep, he was a massive man. Yeah. Okay. Just this was before there was all these, you know, weightlifting programs. Every this guy was right. just a giant of a man. Yeah. He's got Ronnie. He's got Ronnie Lott at number three. Wow. How about that? He's got Bob Lilly at number four. He's got Sam Huff in there at number five, and he's got Larry Wilson at six. That's the yeah. toughest guys. Wow. Yep. Toughest. Remember Larry Wilson? He had no teeth. Yep. <laughs> no teeth. Who was the guy that broke his leg in the Pro Bowl and kept playing? Or something uh, like that. Youngblood. That was in a playoff game. Jack Youngblood. But then didn't he still uh, play in the Pro Bowl or something around that? He played in the Super Bowl. Okay. That was yes. the playoff game against the Cowboys is when he broke his leg. But uh, Dan Deardorff said he played it up. He said it was a, a broken fibula, which isn't like a main, uh, one of the main bones in your leg. So Dan Deardorff always, always uh, teases uh, young blood and said, oh, you played that up. You played that up. But uh, he played, I mean, to play with a broken bone is, is saying something. So he played. They said it was. <laughs> they said it wasn't a weight bearing bone, Artie. Right, That's what they were saying. Bearing. That's what it was. So said it wasn't. I a mean, I don't bearing. know, but <laughs> I'll tell you what's pretty good. There's a famous picture of Gino Marchetti. He was a World War II veteran, by the way, Gino Marchetti. Yeah. And he broke his leg in a game. There's a famous picture of him. In the, was it the '58 championship yep. game, Mark? The greatest yep. game ever played. Yep. It shows him on the sidelines. He wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't go to the hospital. He they rolled him out and he was sitting there with a straight cast on the side. It's a very famous photo yep. of Marchetti on the sidelines. That's watching right. that game from the sidelines with a broken leg. They took him into the locker room, put a cast on him, and he said, I want to go back out and watch the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah, and he did. You're right. Yep. Here's Here's one more uh, one more thing for you, Mark, before we go. Of the best one-on-one tacklers by Lenny Moore, okay? Yep. And so Lenny Moore has Dick Knight train lane at number one. We put him at we put him at the top uh, uh, position there when we had the positions. I said he's got to be on there. He's got Emlyn Tennell at number two from the Giants. Very underrated. Yep. I mean, that's, those guys stand the test of time, both of those guys. Yep. You know? 
At number three, he's got Joe Schmidt. I yeah. told you, I talked about Joe Schmidt, how great he was. Yeah, he's on all the lists. You know? He's got Bill George at number four, Dick Butkus at five. He's got Runitsky at number six. Chuck Bednarik at seven. Jack Christensen, Sam Huff, and Eric Barnes to round out the list. Wow. Of best tack best one on one tacklers. Which is, I'm going to be honest with you, it's almost a lost art today. Now, when you, when you see a guy bring a guy down one-on-one, and I watched a lot of football this weekend because I was uh, going through all the games. I was in a close game in fantasy. These guys, when, you, when you see a guy come up, like especially someone from the secondary, and make a tackle today, it's almost it almost sticks, stands out. You're like, wow, that's a good tackle. But years ago, yeah. it was nothing. It was par for the course. But not right. today. It's almost, you know, you, you you it catches your attention. That's how kind of crazy it's gotten without you know, yeah. guys that don't tackle. Because if you can't practice in pads anymore all week, right? Like, how do you expect to go into a game and just start tackling? You know, guys, you haven't really practiced all week. These I, there's only so many hours they could practice in pads now. So it's becoming a lost art. It sounds crazy, but it really is. But I think you think part of that is the rule changes. Like a lot of guys are afraid of getting, a lot of defenders now are afraid of getting flagged. I saw a couple of play. I hardly watch anymore, but I saw a couple of plays. I forget what <laughs> game it was. And my wife, my wife was sitting there next to me. I think it was the Jets because her whole family is Jets fan. So the Jets uh, defensive end was rushing the quarterback and it seemed like he just pulled up and st- stopped. And my wife said, why Why didn't he tackle him? And I said, because he's probably afraid of getting a 15-yard penalty. If you tackle the quarterback too hard, you get a 15-yard penalty now. So I think that has you know, you're, might you're, have something to do with it too. That You're There's, right about that. But yeah. you still have to come up and hit running backs, though. And like yeah. these – these a lot, especially the safeties and the corners. A lot of these guys cannot bring a guy down one on one. You just you just see a lot of missed tackles. You'll see today they use that what they used to call a bubble screen a lot, where they throw a quick out to the wide receiver. That's a very yeah. common play. Every team's got that in their playbook today. You see it, yeah. and they throw it. They do it a lot because corners can't come up and tackle. The first guy <laughs> pretty much always misses. So you're going to get four, five, six yards out of that play. No matter what, and a lot of it's got to do with the tackling. I'm convinced of that. You know, I think it's a garbage play. You know, yeah. And, yep. uh, but I mean, they use it a lot. A lot of the teams use it, but it is what it is. You know. Yeah. Let me just finish out uh, Paul Zimmerman's. Le- uh, well, all left. All that's left is his special team punt return. He's got Deion Sanders. Kick return. He's got Gal Sayers. You, you don't see running backs returning kicks anymore. It's it's a thing of the past. Kicker, he's got Adam Venateri and his punter, Dave. Everyone, like you were saying, everyone says Ray Guy. This is a name that no one even, most people never even heard of. Another 49er, but he does make a good, good point with this guy. He said, Tommy Davis... Hunter during the 1960s for the 49ers he said he was getting a 4.8 hang time in the wind at Keysar Stadium. 
That's four point eight hang time. And you know that <laughs> You know Adam Vera when the on the twenty nineteen list, the most recent list, Adam Vinatieri's the kicker on there. Yeah, he's got he's got Vinatieri, Vinatieri made a lot of he made a lot of big kicks. As much as I don't care for the Patriots. Well, I did meet him once, actually, Vinatieri. He was actually a really nice guy. Um, yeah. But Vin- Vinatieri made a lot of that crazy that kick he made in the snow game, the, the Tuck Rule game. Oh yeah, that was huge. Yep. You know what I mean? That was a that was a that was a tough kick to make. That was like in that, the those Pat conditions. Kick. That was like the Pat Summerall kick, right? When Summerall yep. kicked one in the snow. I don't know how we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we're gonna make this into only two parts. I still have two more lists here. There's the 2010 list. Uh, 2010 list. That was the NFL Network, right? Yeah, now, that was that was this one here. Yeah, we got the hundred greatest players. Now we're getting more into Arnie's yep. era. More yep. into Arnie's era. We're getting here. This one is really what? this one is really top heavy with uh, quarterbacks and running back. Thirty eight percent of the list. Almost four out of almost four out of every ten is quarterback or running back. But they got uh Well I'm defen- I'm looking at the defensive, defensive players. Yeah, defensive end. They got Reggie White, Deacon Jones, yep. Bruce Smith, Gino Marchetti. Pretty much those same four guys. Then they got Willie Davis, Leroy Selman, Michael Strahan. I thought was a little questionable. They got him in the top seven defensive ends. I mean, he was certainly one of the better defensive ends of his era, but I, I don't know if I'd put him in the top seven. But the top four uh, seems like most mostly everyone agrees with Reggie White, Deacon Jones, Bruce Smith, Gino Marchetti. Uh, what do you got at defensive you know, tackle? Go I'm ahead. looking. I'm looking at the twenty. I'm looking at the 2010 list now, Mark. Yeah. And if you're talking about Strahan, who was you – know, his sack record is a joke, first of all. <laughs> but you know who's not on any of these lists, and yet he's in the Hall of Fame, is Jason Taylor. This yeah. guy doesn't make any of these lists. Was he a first but, yeah, ballot? Yeah, the guy was a first ballot. It's a disgrace. I'm sorry. I'll come out and say it right now. It's an absolute disgrace. Yeah, I said it the last time when we talked about the Hall of Fame. It's just – I'm sorry. He says, I don't get it. When I watched him play, I never said, boy, that guy's going to go to the Hall of Fame. It never entered my mind once. I'm sorry. Even got <laughs> players on teams that I don't care for. I would say, this guy's tremendous. Yeah. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I just don't get it. But I, 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 that's very questionable, putting um, Michael Strahan on the top 100 list. I have a hard yeah. time with that. Right. Yep. Uh, let's see. Defensive tackle. Uh, he's got Joe Green. They, they, I don't know who voted. I know it's the NFL Network. Joe Green, they have ranked number one. Lily, number two. Olsen, number three. Again, those same three guys. And then the next two are always the same two. Alan Page, Randy White. Yep. So there isn't, isn't much change there at defensive tackle. And then outside linebacker. Outside linebacker, they got uh, Lawrence Taylor, Chuck Bednarik, Jack Ham, Bobby Bell, Ted Hendricks, 
the one the one guy they added, uh, Derek Brooks. Uh, yes. Then middle linebacker, they got Butkus, Ray Lewis. That's more from uh, Arnie's era. That's a Jack, yeah. yeah. Jack Lambert, Ray Nitschke, Willie Lanier, Singletary, Schmidt, again, Schmidt, like you said, he's always on these lists. And they got Sam Huff. Singletary, I don't have Singletary. Singletary? I don't have him in my top 100. Not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, And Sam Huff, I don't have him in my top 100. Singletary and Huff get thrown off on the 2019 team. The most recent one. They're, they're not on that. Right. Uh, uh, yep. And who do they have here at uh, cornerback? Cornerback. Seems like they always pick a lot of cornerbacks, but hardly any safeties. Safeties, they only have three on the list. They have Ronnie Lott, Emlyn Tunnell. You mentioned, and Ed Reed. Ed Reed is more from uh, Arnie's era. Do you see him? You saw him play, Arnie? Ed Reed. Oh yeah, I mean that he's one of my favorite players. Yeah, you of mentioned all time. you mentioned about uh, how he protected uh, Ray Lewis, right? Yeah, I mean going back to if uh, this isn't. Just this is just looking at my era alone. Him and Brian Dawkins. I guess you could put Troy Palomalu up there as far as safeties go. But Ed Reed. Yeah. It's, it's arguable that he definitely, from my entire era, that thirty-seven years of my career, that was the player in the safety position. Wow, that's saying a lot. And Dawkins, uh, Zimmerman. No, he's, he's yeah. Go ahead. He's on both of those, uh, Mark. He's on twenty ten. Right. In 2019, Ed Reed, I, I thought he was tremendous. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I got to see him play a lot. Cause uh, what year did what year did he retire around? Well, he you was know? a first ballot. Not too long in, ago. Yeah, first ballot in 2019. So he must have retired in 2014. Then. Yeah. No. He. I mean, going back to the again, the Ravens defense historically in my time. Well, their whole. They've always been the just dominant force. And when Edry came in the league and paired him up with Ray Lewis and of course everybody else on that, it was it was just otherworldly. That that's what took him to the Super Bowl. That was it two thousand six or seven when they won that Super Bowl, Ray Lewis's last no, it must have been must have been two thousand and thirteen when they won it too. But even before then Ray Lewis was there. And what about uh Brian Dawkins? Oh, uh, Brian Dawkins was again otherworldly as far as the safety goes, and uh, just uh, made he. I mean, they called him the X Factor. Uh, or, or wait, was he was he the X Factor? Or was was uh, Ed Reed? Now that I'm thinking about it, he was the Wolverine. Was was his type of thing? But just uh, you just had to change your entire game plan when when Brian Dawkins was on the field. Well, Paul Paul Zimmerman. Is pretty old school, and he mentioned Brian Dawkins, so he must have been really good. Yeah, when it came, to, I would say Dawkins was closer to 
your era of football. Mm-hmm. Ed Reed was right. kind of more into the era of the that I grew up watching, but he could have transitioned a little bit too. If if you're talking someone that had to play in the seventies, Dawkins would have been the guy I choose between the two. Right. No. Ed, uh, Ed, Ed Reed. Ed Reed. Mark holds five NFL records. Wow. Most career interception return yardage. Almost sixteen hundred yards. Holy yardage man. return! Oh yeah, when he's he... got the longest. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ernie. No, I mean, you were going to say when he go ahead when he when he got the ball in his hands. Go ahead. Oh Finish yeah, that he, up. He I know was, exactly what you're going to say. This era of Deion Sanders, yeah, when he got the ball, it was turn around, and he was it was when it was looking to score. It wasn't just coming down with it and and just getting the ball. It was every time he touched the ball after he intercepted it. It was eyes on the prize kind of thing. <laughs> right. He was looking for that end zone. Mark, he's got the longest interception return, 108 yards. Oh, man. He's got the most career postseason interceptions of nine. He's tied, actually, with that. And he's got the most seasons leading the league interceptions, three. Tied with Everson Walls. And so he's got, look, and he, he, he did it all. He, he's Got a lot of tackles, pass defended, 139, 643 tackles, 64 interceptions, 11 forced fumbles, 13 forced fumble recoveries. I mean, he's he's on the NFL 100 all-time team, like we said. Right. He's on the uh, all-decade team of the 2000s. He was five-team, first-time All-Pro, first-team, five times, second-team, three times. And nine Pro Bowls, Defensive Player of the Year in 2004. He was tremendous. Yeah, yeah a lot of people will put Ray Lewis up there as one of the greatest defenders of all time. But in that same breath, there's a lot of those same individuals that will say Ed Reed meant more to that team than what Ray Lewis did. Wow. I, I didn't realize yeah, he was I, that good. I could see that, actually. You know, but... Uh, then they have... Uh, the yeah. final posi- the final uh, defensive position, the 2010 list. They have cornerback. Uh, they have Night Train Lane, number one. Uh, Deion okay. Sanders, Rod Woodson. You were you were talking about uh, Dave. They have him number. He was three. great. They have him number three. They got he was really great. Mel Blunt, Mike Haynes, Herb Adderley, Willie Brown, Daryl Green. Uh, I don't have much disagreement with that list. He gets Herb Adderley gets thrown off the 2019 team. Yeah, and I think that is a glaring omission. I think he belongs on that. <laughs> I think Adderley belongs he, on that. No, who was a big fan of Herb Adderley uh, was uh, Steve Sable from NFL Films. He wasn't on the 75th anniversary team. Herb Adderley was not on the 75th anniversary team. And Steve he Sable wasn't? Went, No. And Steve Sable went crazy over that. He said, that's a ridiculous. Herb Adderley has to be on that list. Really? Yep. He wasn't even on the 75th anniversary. We got one more list to go. You want to do it? The, the, the most recent yeah, we one. We can breeze through it quick. 2019. This is the 100th anniversary. So now we got a lot of guys on here that Arnie knows about. We got 
defensive end, we got the same guys uh, at the top. Uh, the, but the 100th anniversary team, uh, they did not rank them like the other list did. They just named the players. They got Deacon Jones, Reggie White, uh, Gino Marchetti. And I, I have no argument with those guys being the top three. And they got Bruce Smith. I took uh, myself, I would take Leroy Selman off the list, and I would put in Andy Robustelli. I think Andy Robustelli, really? yep, I think he doesn't get enough recognition. Well, like you said, at that time, the defen defensive players weren't really recognized very much. And they really they, weren't. Yeah. And they do have Doug, Doug Atkins on the list. And they have, really? Uh, yep. And they have Bill Hewitt. So now we're finally getting some more guys from like the 1930s, 1940s. Bill Hewitt is on the list. Then defensive tackle, we got those same three guys again. Lily, Olsen, Joe Green, Alan Page, Randy White. Seems like the top five is always the same. I would take off John Randall. And even though it's tough to do, I would take off Buck Buchanan. Because I got two guys here I would replace them with. That don't really get mentioned <laughs> enough. Ernie Stortner, Dave. Ernie Stortner. Yes. I think he belongs on this list. I think he went to 11 Pro Bowls, Ernie Stortner. And another guy played for the 49ers, Leo Namalini. Doesn't get Leo the Lion. That's right. They call him Leo the Lion. I'd have those two guys in there. He later became a professional wrestler. Ernie Stautner, uh Ernie Stautner was an undersized guy who That's played right. for the Steelers, Arnie, and he coached with the Cowboys over 20 years during those glories. He was the defensive line coach. Yep. So all those guys had Ernie Stautner. Randy White had him. as a. In fact, they became very good friends. They used to go fishing yep. a lot. That's Randy right. White used to tell me they were very close, but Ernie Stautner coached all those Cowboy greats, Ed Tutal Jones. Larry Cole, Jethro Pugh, all of them. Ernie Stoughton was there all those years. Yep. I think 25 years he was coaching, coached the Cowboys. That's right. But um, I looked up Brian Dawkins quick, Arnie, uh, and and he, is he on that list, Mark, 2019 or no? I, I mean, yeah, is he on the list? Brian uh, Dawkins? Not see, no, I do not see him on the list. No. He was, look. He was All-Decades all 2000 team, nine-time Pro Bowler, uh, first-team All-Pro four times. That's pretty good. And he played from 96 uh, to 2011. So he had a pretty long career. He had 36 forced fumbles, 19 recovers, 37 interceptions. Um, but, you know, for some reason... Of the mo more modern guys, he didn't quite get on there. Look, there's some great players ahead. It's very hard to crack that list. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Sure is. It sure is. You know? Very Yeah, hard. if you – I'm trying to think of who the player is. Brian Dawkins, uh, Titans, tight end. There's a – you have to go to YouTube. It's 
Brian Dawkins hit, uh, who was it that he hit? There's a guy that he lays out that makes you think of going back to old school football. Um, man, who was, what's the hit? If you just look up Brian Dawkins hits. It'll come up. It, it should come up. Yeah, he was, Weapon X was the was the uh, <laughs> the nickname that they gave him. They, and he was like Wolverine. Uh, but yeah, Brian Dawkins hits, I can't find it right now. But if you go to his biggest hits. It'll make you think, oh, yeah, this is like whatever, Ronnie Lott or some of the old school players. Right. <laughs> Outside linebacker, they got Lawrence Taylor, Jack Ham. Taylor, Taylor uh, at the weak side, Ham at the strong side. Bobby Bell, they got Ted Hendricks. They have Derek Brooks, who I would, it's tough between him. I would replace Derek Brooks with Derek Thomas. From the Chiefs. Right? Yeah. I thought Derek Thomas oh. was something special. How many years did he play, Mark? Well, I think he played. He died, he, he he died, died young. And, yeah, he died before his career was over. A uh, car accident. Uh, I think he played maybe 10, 11 years, and then he died in the car accident. Was it that accident. many? Yeah. I think so. I could check. Maybe it says here. No, you're 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 right. Not ten years. Yeah, ten years. And then he died. In a, it looked like he was going to make it. Uh, he he lived for about another week or two after the car accident, and it looked like he was going to make it. And then uh, he just had some kind of setback and uh, died in the hospital. It's a shame. Middle line. He had 120. Go ahead. Oh, what were you saying? 120 sacks yet? He had 126 sacks, Derek Thomas. Oh, Mark. yeah. Well, there's yep, there's something with the outside linebackers and inside middle linebackers. Like, how do you, because the schemes are so different, even though for the most part they play the same thing, because you got your rushing outside 3-4 versus 4-3, 4-6 defense. I mean, where do you fall right. and how do you break that? Right. That's what one of the arguments I always have with some of these lists. They just put all the linebackers together. I think you got to kind of separate. You know, you got weak side linebacker. You got strong side linebacker. Middle linebacker is very different than outside linebacker. I, I kind of laugh when people try to compare who is better, Dick Buckus or Lawrence Taylor. Well, they really played a completely different position. And like Arnie said, some of the alignments, uh, for a while there in the 80s, a lot of teams were playing a 3-4. So you had two inside linebackers. So it's kind of hard. you got to kind of separate them. Well, you even mentioned like Derek, Derek Brooks versus Derek Thomas because didn't Thomas play right. the 3-4? Because Derek Brooks, he was really at the Tampa 2 when it really came in, and his role was totally different. Right. I can't remember uh, Derek Thomas. I can't remember what alignment they used. At one point for the Chiefs, it uh, was 3-4, but he might have been 4-3 also. I, I I don't know. Right. But again, a totally yeah, different it, style of a Tampa 2 versus, say, man blitz or any other type of... Right. To, so it's, it's, hard, it's hard to really compare overall. <laughs> I mean, yeah. era, eras, let alone schemes, at least when it's the receivers, for the most part, yeah. the schemes it's, are going to be different, but you can still compare them. It's a good point. That's a very good point, Arnie. 
And it's, you know, hard to pick between Derek Thomas and Derek Brooks. I mean, it's hard to pick one over the other. But I would give uh, Derek Thomas a slight edge, I think. The middle linebacker, we have, again, you know, there was so many great middle linebackers. Uh, you got Buckus, Nitschke, Lanier, uh, Lewis, Ray Lewis, Chuck Bednarik. Well, I don't know. There again, Chuck Bednarik. You could put him either, either way. I think he makes the top 100. Um, no, Nitschke was not on their list. I added Nitschke. Nitschke was not on their list. And I thought that was, I thought that was, uh, wrong. I put him on my list. But Narek, you could put at, you could put at outside linebacker. Uh, Jack Lambert, uh, Junior Seau is on the list. And again, Joe Schmidt. So the only Tremendous. one, only one I disagree with there. I had to add Nitschke. I, I, I don't think you could keep Nitschke off a top 100 list. And then uh, cornerback, I added Herb Adderley. I, I don't know how you could keep Herb Adderley off this list. They got Blunt, Mel Blunt. They got Willie Brown, Deion Sanders, Dick Night Train Lane. Mike Haynes is a guy that doesn't really get mentioned, but he's on a lot of these lists, right? Mike Haynes. No, we didn't. We didn't even talk about him. I think he's yeah. on all the lists. Yeah. But That's how still, good he was. He's still not really talked about that much. And he played for, he was equally good for two different teams. Patriots and then the Raiders. Right? He played on both of those teams. Yeah. Yes. You know, Arnie, I found an article uh, talking about the 3-4 and the 4-3. And they were saying that the Giants played Taylor, even though he retained his linebacker identification, for all practical purposes, they put him down and he played as a, really as an, an end. And they said the same thing with Thomas at Kansas City. So he must have been playing in that 3-4. And they mentioned Andre Tippett of New England and Tim Harris at San Francisco. So, But th this was an article about how teams are rediscovering the 4-3 defense, though. So he must have played Derek Thomas. Because they were saying they were primarily in a three-point stance, a lot most of those guys. So there were linebackers mostly playing in th in three fours, and they would make up that fourth lineman. You know, right? Well, I mean, kind of like a guy uh, going yeah. back to oh, geez, what's his name for Denver Broncos? Uh, they call him the White Rhino. Um, Mecklenburg. Yeah, I would never make this list by any means, but a guy like that that played so many different roles, or like a guy that plays for say. Belichick's defense that he expects him to move around and everything. Versatile, very yeah. versatile. Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, where do we factor in the versatility? Granted, I would never put Mecklenburg that high on this list by any means, but there's some players you mentioned earlier, like a cornerback that's at the latter end of the career. I think of a Charles Woodson from my my era where he moved from cornerback to safety and actually probably was even more proficient as a safety later in his year with the Packers than he was as a cornerback with the Raiders. Yeah, he was great. He really was. Uh, you know, the, the other thing too is sacks from a linebacker position. So you're, you're really, I, I you're not going to get as many sacks from the middle linebacker position as you are oh, from a, no way. 
You're just not gonna. No. <clears throat> You're responsible for stuff in that run. Yeah, you I mean stuff you- to run. You're kind of talking to a guy who uh, I'm going to always fight for Ray Lewis because I have I'm a little biased because of uh you know I grew up when I grew up playing football it was in the 2000 to 2004 as far as the high, or actually 1999 to 2003 for high school and that was when Ray Lewis came out so but when you go to stats uh, he's the only guy I think ever that has 20 interceptions sacks and maybe fumble recoveries or something like that in his career. He he has some a bunch of stats that are unattainable right now by other people. But then again, you're talking longevity too, right? I, well, I don't think uh, I don't think anyone from that era could really compare to him at middle linebacker, right? No, I mean, there's Brian Erlacher that some could put on that level to, and they. The thing is, Erlacher and Ray Lewis both got inducted the same year. As I mean, that was a year. It was Erlacher, uh, uh, Ray Lewis, Brian Dawkins, Randy Moss. I mean, from my my era, that was about as good as that could have got, kind of thing. Right. Well. uh Two more cornerbacks. Uh, I didn't get to finish the cornerback list. They had Rod Woodson on here. They have Daryl Green on here. And then safety. That's right. Yep, Daryl Green. He was, uh, at one point, they called him the fastest man in football, right? Didn't he chase down Tony Dorsett? Didn't he catch Tony Dorsett? Look, they had a... They had a show of the top of the fastest players in NFL history. Never mind. Mm-hmm. And Daryl Green somehow got on there ahead of Bob Hayes, which is absolutely ridiculous. Hayes is an Olympic sprinter. He, he was he was he was setting world records in the hundred yard dash back then. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's even cra- even in the list. The guys are saying this is crazy. They were saying it's one of those top ten NFL. You know they have those shows. Right. And number right. one, it's like an hour long show. Right. And put Daryl Green ahead of Hayes is absolutely insane. But he was a great player, and he was great at a, he was great at a late age too. He was yeah. He was still fast in his mid thirties. Yep. He sure was. Oh, it's safety. The final position, safety. They got Ronnie Lott. And they're, they're again, a lot of these guys played two positions, like Arnie was just mentioning. Uh, Ronnie Lott, Paul Zimmerman said uh, he was better at cornerback. But they have him listed here at safety. They got Larry Wilson. They got Ken Houston. Emlyn Tennell, who I don't think really gets enough. Uh, but he is on a lot of these lists, right? right? Emlyn Tennell. Ed Reed is on the list. Uh, the one guy I dropped from this list was Jack Christensen, and I think he played in the forties. I think he played in the forties, and I, I I have to admit, yeah. I probably don't know enough about these guys. The guys that played in the twenties, the thirties, the forties. I mean, I know the the big names, you know, Sammy Baugh. Uh, Don Hudson, Sid Luckman, I know those guys, of course, but a lot of these guys, like Jack Christensen, I honestly don't know enough about. And a lot of those guys during that era didn't have very long careers. You know, a lot of them only played seven or eight years. Yeah, I think that's what's so difficult is era to era and 
talking right. when you say like the 20s and 30s to even even the 50s 60s like it's not even it's it's night and day as far as the style of play and like going into the 70s and nowadays it's not even close like that's why like a guy like Don Hudson to be able to do what he did and I know we're talking more defense at that yeah. time frame I mean like it wasn't even close how much better he was than the second like he would have more receptions yardages and <laughs> touchdowns than half of the entire league put together their whole teams Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul Zimmerman had a lot if to you, say about Don Hudson. Go if ahead. If you go Dan. back, uh, yeah, if you go back, Arnie, and you watch uh, the films from this 2010 um, thing where they had the 2010 list and they had the, and they go, each, each player has got a little thumbnail and they have about a four to five minute video on each guy. They did it week by week in groups of 10. Um, I forgot who talked about, oh, it was, uh, who's the guy with the curly hair, Mark, that does the NFL? King. Oh, uh, King, yeah, Peter King. Peter, Peter King. King makes a claim for Don Hudson to be to be the most dominating football player of all time, he claims. Well, it's not. Uh, and, I, and, and, and he says the greatest receiver of all time, and possibly he said the greatest football player of all time. Don Hudson, he says it in that little video there. Yeah, I know when I did my episode on Don Hudson, because I, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but back when I was first starting, I, it was before I had the interviews. So I started with, for one of the, the things I did was, well, let's go through the Hall of Fame players. I started with 1960, you know, the first class, 1963. And of course, Hudson, Red Grange was in there, Bronco, all these other guys. And when I did the Don Hudson episode, I was... I was blown away at how much further ahead he was. But then again, I don't think it's totally fair to compare because it was like having things at the right moment where he had that coach that was willing to open it up. He was had that quarterback that was willing to fling the ball the way that they did. And they had the defenses that weren't prepared for that style of play. So it was kind of like now with, let's say, Josh Allen, even though it's not to the same extent, or it was like when Michael Vick came in the league, like no one knew how to guard that from stopping a running quarterback even though there was Steve Young precedence I understand that and some other players but it was yeah Don Hudson was it wasn't even close I agree and and I'm kind of like taking up the ball for offense when we're supposed to be talking about defense so I'll, I'll let you go from there I gotta check that episode out now I, I don't think I ever heard uh, it's a podcast probably- you did yeah, all of my episodes at the beginning, Mark, were all individual. So, like I did, you know, the Jim Thorpe episode, the Red Grange right. episode, Don Hudson, all of them were like, there were solo episodes, kind of like you, almost, uh-huh. I want to say for the first maybe year and a half or so before Upton Bell reached out. I mean, they were, they were, all, they weren't exactly like how, you know, like how you would read a script. I would yeah. have like all my research. And then I would have bullet points, and that would kind of talk almost like a script, but I would kind of go off topic a little bit. And I didn't even think to have a script until having you and Joe and Joe actually reading a script. And I, I kind of wish I would have done it that way at the beginning because my thought was I had to have more of like my personality into it. But I really, yeah. I really strayed away from the ability to have that concise content the way that you guys do with the script. So if I could go back, that's how I would have done it. Right. Um, Paul Zimmerman, 
every guy on his list, every guy that he picks for his all-time team, is someone that he actually saw play. He said the only guy on his list that he didn't see play was Don Hudson. He flew to Wisconsin to the Green Bay Packers facility and asked to see game foot, not just highlight, you know, we see highlights of Donna. He said he went to the Green Bay Packers and asked for actual game footage of Don Hudson, and he said he was totally blown away. He was making circus catches, and like Arnie said, he was putting up numbers that no one was even close to. And he also played defense. He played defensive back. He even played defensive end sometimes. Oh, he has, yeah, and well... There was in, to go no not something like it was to the point where he he would have more interceptions because that was back when they were the two way player but he in one quarter scored twenty nine points <laughs> by himself Amazing. and this was it yeah. was they they just didn't know what to do with a guy where he could literally they would put and I I saw some of this video too they would have three people try to corral him. And they just right. didn't know what to do because there was like he created the route tree. It wasn't just, hey, you go down the field as far as you can and I'll see if I can throw the ball to you. He he was where the route tree came from. Right. Yep. Truly amazing. Amazing. I took player. a look at Jack Christensen from the Lions, Mark, because you were saying you weren't familiar, but just you know, he has great stats though. He only played seven, eight years. Fifty one. Yeah. To 58, but he he was a six-time All-Pro. First mm-hmm. team, 52 to 57. That's pretty good. He, and he's all, 50s All-Decade. He's the 100th anniversary All-Time team. So he's on that team, that that 2019 team. He, I mean, his return yardage is nothing like Ed Reed or anything, but, I mean, the guy was very solid for the amount of years he played. Yeah, he... It was selected by the Lions. This is interesting. In the sixth round, so he wasn't even a high pick. Wow. Maybe it's just the, the short draft. career. Could could be yep. just the you know the short career is why you don't really hear that much about him. But six could Pro be, Bowls, like I said. <laughs> well, part of it's too because of like yeah, when you have all the the older older players and everything, that they don't get as much as the newer ones. Right. There no, is, they don't. They get is, lost in the shuffle. He's right, Mark. Yeah. Well, there isn't as you know. There isn't as much footage either from that time. Oh yeah, I mean, just just imagine if the way that Jim, Th- granted, he didn't. Jim Thorpe didn't even come into the league until his. It was in his twilight of his. I think he he was thirty something by the time the NFL actually started. So we're talking before the league when he actually was in his heyday. Right. Yeah, Jim but Thorpe's going back to that, right. I told you he scored 29 <laughs> points in the first quarter. Uh, right. The reason why that really can sting hard to me, it was against the Lions where he scored all those points <laughs> in the first. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, maybe some one of these years the Lions will be good. You know what, Mark? So. They're they're never going to be that good because of people like me who are willing to still buy their tickets <laughs> and pay for all their merchandise, and we do not demand a better team. Yeah, you have to demand a better Look, team. I, I, 
I like their coach though, Arnie. I think he's. I think he has. He, they play hard for him. Yeah, I mean, you can play hard, and you can. It's kind of like, uh, like in trench warfare, where you, where they really want to play hard for, or they want to go hard for their general and their leader. But when you run up against a Gatling gun that just has better technology and everything, like those samurai soldiers in Forty Seven Ronin or whatever that movie was, it just doesn't work out too well for you. <laughs> No, I, I know. I mean, they just, you know. But I have just, hope. Oh, there's something that's. I have hope, Dave. Every year I have hope. And, and Dan Campbell is the man. I I just really hope we can put it together one of these times. Barry Sanders is going to. They yeah, just need... announced they're going to put a Barry Sanders statue outside our stadium next year. Wow. So I'm excited yeah, for that. I, I, the, he, he deserves it. I mean, the guy was. You know, every 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 year of Super Bowl week, he comes on and makes the rounds for all these interview shows. The guy doesn't even look like he ever even played. It's unbelievable, and he's so <laughs> casual and he's so nonchalant. And you're like, this guy's. If you didn't know anybody, you're like, who's this guy? <laughs> I mean, but it's it's. I love it. I wait. I look forward to seeing him every year. Same Super Bowl week, he'll go to Rich Eisen. He goes <laughs> to the other shows. He makes the rounds. It's it's great. I met it his really father. Is. I met his father at the Hall of Fame. I met oh, Barry you? Sanders' father at the Hall of Fame. He told my son to get a haircut. Did he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, "You look like a girl. Get a haircut." <laughs> yeah, he was kind of a he was kind of a tough guy. Yeah, I guess even Barry Sanders even talked about it. Yep. Well, it took us almost two hours, but we finished the defense. No, it was good. There's a lot of consistency there. You, you yes. can see that at least with the players. Yes, you know, some of, some of them are a little controversial, but most of them, most of them were pretty, uh, like you said, pretty consistent. Well, we'll do the offense on another show. That was good. It was a, fun, a lot of fun. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.